Discovery, go at throttle up. Discovery 4 computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 98 and is being recorded on April 6th, 2019. Today's topic, Spectral Scan, Discovery Season 2, Episode 12. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for Discovery Season 2, Episode 12, Through the Valley of Shadows. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Aaron Gallo. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover, Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off your order. That is a lot of percentage. Yeah. (laughs) How are you doing, Mr. Barry? I am doing okay. (laughs) All right. That's better than not okay. Uh, Yeah. Been a rough week, but... Mm. Uh, Star Trek Discovery gets me through another week, which I am very proud for. It's a good show. Yes, good show. You only have two more weeks of getting through then. I feel sorry for it. Well, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I will have uh, more to watch on CBS All Access because I started watching uh, The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And that will also be a weekly series. They did not drop it all on on one go. Yeah, I'm uh, really interested. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but I definitely will. And they do have the first episode available for free on YouTube for a limited time. So if you go yeah. if you go to their CBS All Access YouTube page, you'll be able to watch it. It's similar to what they did with Star Trek Discovery's first episode. Indeed it is. So, yeah, it's another uh, blast from the past that's been rebooted uh, by CBS. So, yeah, definitely check it out. I hope this reboot is better than previous attempts. Oh, well, it's got Jordan Peele, so I'm pretty confident it will be. That's good. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So what, uh, what news do we have today? to talk about so if if you're a fan of dave and busters and also a star trek fan you're gonna like this news oh sign me up (laughs) (laughs) dave and busters has an exclusive vr star trek video game star trek doc remnant i love that name that name in the game players they are in control of the uss galileo starfleet's latest and most advanced stellar research vessel the Galileo accompanies the Enterprise on a mission to evacuate a stellar observatory located in the Klingon neutral zone. Oh. And they must learn more about the decaying neutron star it orbits. The premature collapse of the, that star leaves the Enterprise incapacitated, and it's up to you to protect her from both stellar debris and the unwelcomed arrival of a vengeance-seeking Klingon ship. Wow. Looks pretty interesting. I have not even... I've not even watched this. Oh, I saw the uh, the commercial for it on TV. I was like, oh, oh, Star Trek. 
All right, so I'm I'm looking at the video now. It looks like it's based off the Kelvin timeline because the uniforms have the pattern of the Delta Shield into it, and the Enterprise looks like the Kelvin Enterprise, and the Klingons have the like jewelry on their ridges, just like the Kelvin timeline. Right, just so. like in uh, was it? Into darkness. Into darkness. Yes. I was gonna say dark beyond. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that can't. That's Whoa, not right. That's an even better title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks pretty cool. I'm I'm just looking at this video and yeah, it looks pretty sweet. Yeah, they need more Star Trek VR games. Although, um, Bridge Crew. Yeah, that's a pretty decent game, but they need more. I still haven't played it, but yeah, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, we've got a few Dave and Buster's by us, and I've been there before. It's a good yet expensive time, but right. I will, I will sink some money to play this game for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's, I don't know, maybe five bucks. I don't know how much video games cost now. I'll play it once at least. Right? Why not? Yeah. So let's get into would you buy it? Oh man, I I want at least one of these <laughs> <laughs> it's a very uh a wide assortment right so more multiple items this go around because they were announced you know, all at once mm -hmm. but they're all in the same category well i would buy multiple of these i would probably buy two of them I'm oh thinking. okay yeah there, there's one in here that's like really expensive and yeah yeah we're talking about the hallmark 2019 star trek ornaments and there are four there's the star trek the motion picture uss enterprise 40th anniversary oh my goodness ornament with light wow that's cool yeah it's uh, in stores july 13th and it's going to retail for 32.99 that's the one I would buy. Yeah, I would definitely buy this one. It'll go with the Wrath of Khan ornament I have. Actually, I have, I have a couple of Wrath of Khan ornaments, actually. The bridge little battle scene with the Reliant. Oh, yeah. And I have the <laughs> Spock death scene ornament. Oh, yes. <laughs> C capture the most uh, emotionally uh, breaking uh, scene in all of Star Trek. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, that would go well together. Yeah. It's a little theme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had the Reliant, the one I don't have. Oh, you got to complete the set. Yeah, I know. I'll have to look on eBay or something. I think they came out with it a few years ago. Next up, we have Star Trek Discovery. Commander Saru and Michael Burnham ornament with sound. Ooh. And it comes from dialogue that was featured in the Choose Your Pain episode. What dialogue? Because of, like from this scene where she gives uh, Saru Captain Giorgio's telescope? I, I guess. Uh, I haven't heard the dialogue. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm guessing that would make the most sense. Yeah. Since the ornament has... The telescope in Saru and Burnham. That's also in stores July 13th and sells for $29.99. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Next uh, is... <laughs> this is the other one I want. <laughs> you want this one? Yes. It's a Star Trek triple fabric ornament with sound and motion. 
Yes, that's the one. <laughs> it's also in stores July 13th and is going to be the cheapest of these four at $19.99. I like that it has motion. Yeah, that's... so it's going to like <laughs> vibrate to a little jig. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely want the triple. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be cool. Uh, no, it'd be cool if they, they're not going to do this, but if they had like different colored triples. You like collect them all. Oh, that that's a lot of collecting. I think they went with the most classic yeah. triple color. Right. So it looks like Shatner's toupee. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> that color. And uh finally huh. uh Th- this is the big one. Yeah. It's not even an order map. No, but well, I'll I'll say what it is and then I'll I'll tell a little story. So this is the Star Trek, the transporter tabletop decoration with light and sound that will be in stores october 5th and that's going to retail for 99 dollars and 99 cents nope <laughs> <laughs> not for me <laughs> so you have a story with this well it's related okay so my wife is a big fan of cinderella this past christmas they had this ornament a uh, a premium ornament like a- another tabletop yeah ornament tabletop you could hang it but it's heavy at your own risk right it's heavy <laughs> uh it has like has like little jewels encrusted on it it's it's Cinderella's castle oh my gosh that was $100 ugh but she wanted it so well happy wife happy life indeed so going with this logic Happy husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> happy husband, happy something. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, the ornament looks pretty cool, uh, or tabletop decoration. I, I never like the figure ornaments, because yeah. the likenesses are never, like, 100% right. there. Yeah, especially the smaller they get, the right. worse the likeness on these ornaments I have some good, there are some good ornaments that have a really good likeness from Hallmark, but there are some that are questionable. Oh boy. And as I'm like older, I, you know, I collect (laughs) these more and more. Like before I would, when I was younger, I would get them, you know, every so often. Right. But now that I, you know, work, I can buy them. You mean they're affordable for you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are some... It's not just with Ornamus. A lot of things have really terrible sculpting. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, the quality control on some of these are not the best. Mm-hmm. And that's why... I mean, I, I only have, like, maybe a couple of these types of ornaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite being the, the Voyager. That was That is a really nice model of the ship. Right. I, I really enjoy that, but I know you collect... A lot more of these than I do. Yeah, I ha- I could fill my tree with just Star Trek ornaments. That is so cool, and yet sounds so expensive at this point. <laughs> yeah, because I mean they're not cheap. It isn't like it's a five dollars a pop. Oh no no no! Each one of these is like twenty to thirty bucks. Yeah, and then once once they're out of production, it shoots up. These yeah. things have a big aftermarket. Yeah, because uh, you got uh, Voyager aftermarket. I did, and it was so random because I was at the uh, Chicago Toy and Game Fair, and there just happened to be a vendor that was selling like old Star Trek ornaments, and 
still, I think for Voyager, I paid like maybe 35 bucks for it. Mm. Yeah. So a, a little bit of a markup, but a lot less than I was expecting it to be considering how old it was. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, that came out probably the 90s. Right. So. And it's in it's in great condition. It's Yeah, they hold up well. There's nothing wrong with it. So, yeah, I'm, I think I definitely want to get the motion picture Enterprise and the Tribble. Like, I, I've always loved the Enterprise uh, refit design. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's Tribbles. Like, come on. <laughs> I would... I would probably end up getting at least three of the four. Yeah. The tabletop is iffy. Oh, okay. But we'll, we'll see if I can swing it. Hopefully you can't uh-huh, swing it. Swing it from the branches. Yeah. But but not the tabletop one. Good Lord. Yeah, no. You, you'd, you'd kill someone <laughs> if that was on your tree. <laughs> yeah, no. That will probably just end up on my desks. I actually have the USS Discovery ornament on my desk, like hanging from a little hangy thingy. It's it's a cool design. Just close that damn shuttle bay door. Yeah, well, it's closed <laughs> on the ornament. They don't have it open. Hey, they got they got it right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so let's let's spore jump into this episode. Indeed, a fourth signal leads the USS Discovery to a to an insular world. To an insular world. Yes, where Pike is forced to make a life-changing choice. Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship gone rogue, leading to a discovery with catastrophic consequences. A discovery? (laughs) Oh, snap, I didn't connect that, yeah. Overall, what did you like about this episode? So, to start, I really liked the visual of the spore jump over Boreth. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think we're that far away from the ship usually when it jumps and just seeing the planets behind it and like that yeah. faint blue transition as it drops out of the Minocenial network. Yeah, it is a fantastic visual. It definitely felt like a 2001 Space Odyssey, like a very long shot of the ship. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you there. I just don't like that they're using the FN Spore Drive again. Yeah. Well, I mean, every so often it needs to be used. For that plot. <laughs> yeah, right, for for the plot. I know, it's deep in Klingon space, I yeah. get it. So, I mean, they definitely use the warp drive. They're going to warp out of this dangerous situation at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. So, in that instance, I'd be like, we need to use the spore drive right now. But uh, that's me. See, here, here's the thing. Yeah, like, at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, crap. Oh, we don't have time. It's like, why don't you just spore drive to, like, the freaking Delta Quadrant? Yeah. Then you have all the time in the world. Right. And another thing to escape from, depending on where you land. (laughs) Scary. Yeah. (laughs) Next, I like the exchange between Spock and Michael before they leave on that shuttle. Oh, my God. Yeah, that whole sequence was great. It really felt like a brother and sister moment, especially when she like grunts at the end. That that was so funny because I definitely had uh, moments like that with my sister for sure. Yeah, her character really grunts a lot in in this series, in this episode <laughs> a lot as well. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't think there's been 
that much grunting in Star Trek ever. Just acting all in all by Sinequa Martin Green. It's just great. And even before the they leave on the shuttle, one of my likes was that we got to see Amanda again. Mm-hmm. Right. And she kind of got to see them off on this mission. And it was nice to kind of see most of the family back together. And it was great because, you know, Sarek's not there and Spock and him haven't been talking at all and won't for many years and as we see in the original series so i just thought it was nice that there was that little moment there with them as well yeah i definitely dug that and i appreciate how she was like i love you both take care of each other uh something a mother would say oh for sure speaking of exchanges i dug the exchange between hugh and reno it's nice to have some more insight on her character and I'm hoping that this discussion kind of kickstarts or kicks Hugh in the in the rear end to get back with Stamets. Yeah, for sure. There's all that tension between them, and I really don't feel there needs to be. I, I think that Hugh is on this whole kick that he's a new person, and I get he's trying to discover who he is, but why not have your rock that has known you the longest be that strength to remind you who you are Mm -hmm. and i really feel for stamets in this situation like just you know those longing looks it really breaks your heart it does especially that scene in the mess hall oh yeah for sure obviously that scene is what pushes reno to see hugh and her entrance was (laughs) very comical into sickbay yeah i i love that it was over a hangnail that's that's great. Yeah. It was a great interaction between those two characters. We find out more about Jet Reno, including about her wife, and that she was also another casualty of the Klingon War. And I, I like that they bonded over like different wedding type, like future wedding ceremony type stuff. Right. <laughs> uh like whatever it was like the interactive calligraphic fonts or whatever and i was like oh that's kind of cool it's like neat little touches that you know no matter how far in the future you go there's still similar problems that we all experience yeah people are people yeah and like we said before star trek is a good way to explore humanity even if it's through aliens so in this episode we get an answer to at least one of my questions yeah what was happening to leland's face the nanoprobes were destroying and rebuilding his body yeah like with this reanimation uh verbiage now right i I mean it makes sense you know a body's gonna decay it's interesting that must mean that the nanoprobes can like replicate themselves using material within the body which is which is really gross if you think about it. Right. It's like it would basically be consuming itself from the inside. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I don't know. I I felt like that they would just control the body, not <laughs> destroy it and rebuild it, especially since they're trying to behave more human. It it didn't really make sense to me that they were destroying it and rebuilding it, but maybe they're just like shifting some stuff around to make it more battle ready or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the context do they have to kill. Can't they just like just take over a person? Gant says that he doesn't have nerve endings anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know what's, like, the whole point of control. Like, if you take over, is it just to take over these beings to make them battle-ready 
to get your end goal to destroy all life? Or do you just want to take over and spread? So, you know, there's a lot of people saying that, oh, maybe this is the Borg. I don't think this is it because the Borg are absorbing people into their consciousness and assimilating for the betterment. Like we're adding your technological and biological distinctiveness. We're adding the best parts of you to make us overall better. Mm -hmm, And it seems like control is just like, well, F sentient life. I just want to be the only pure consciousness around. Right. Which means the destruction of life. And that, that goes against the Borg. So to anyone that might have like, ooh, this becomes the Borg, I, I don't think that's where this is heading. I don't either, especially since we know the Borg exist at this point of time in Star Trek. And there's not like a hive mind. When in, a person becomes assimilated, mm-hmm. they're still them. They just are being remotely controlled by something else. Right. This right. is, I am now control inside someone else Mm -hmm. but yeah although i'm not a fan of the crystals i like the insight we got into pike's moral character oh yeah this is a huge one (laughs) yeah it was pretty tough to see and it's hard for me to talk about this without going into why i don't like the crystals so i'm going to hold off on really going into this okay okay but i really dug that we got to actually see the moment yeah oh me too that's one of my huge likes that we actually get to see this moment that cripples pike this is such a turning point for his character that we've heard about since the original series, but we never seen. Right. I love that we get the newer uniform Mm -hmm. for his fleet captain status. It definitely remind reminded me more of the original series as well as the motion picture. Speaking of the motion picture. Right. I loved the makeup and wheelchair props and and makeup Mm -hmm. Uh, much like Vina. It retained the classic designs while elevating it to today's production standards. And I mean, when he was like looking up at those cadets, it's that same dark purple red mark in the same location, same shape, but they just made it look like he didn't have melted tissue paper on his face. Right, it looked realistic. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was just so creepy to see him in the chair with the beep boops and, and all that stuff. <laughs> like beep boops. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah, one no. for yes, two for no. Right. Which really says something about how damaged he is, especially when you have beings like Arium where... Mm hey, we can we can take you all apart and, you know, kind of mix you up. I, I wonder if that radiation is continuously degrading him. Ooh, that would explain why that wheelchair completely engulfs him. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and plus with the implication that e- even though it was done for a horrific, ooh, here's a weird vision effect Mm -hmm. you know half of his face is melting but again i think that informs to his condition like he's falling apart right and and that's what pike doesn't realize this obviously because it's in the future i mean he doesn't know he's gonna be offered this paradise with the telogians right so uh yeah we'll get into it later but pike 
him going on this journey and it adds such a layer of context where he knew this would happen the entire time yet mm-hmm. he still did it to save the galaxy hopefully right the the needs of the many that's exactly what it is and yeah. i i really liked anson mount's portrayal so far just a, another added layer of depth i i like that pike was kind of spouting his own personal mantra about what it is to be a captain and like any good captain you know he's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice to live up to the ideals of starfleet many people in his situation probably wouldn't have done what he did so right next i like that we see the new d7 but uh that construction was pretty quick i i have some thoughts on this okay so i think the d7 looked a little bit rough and exposed you know we see the texture on it which we've mm-hmm. seen in like klingon ships in the future but at least in the original series they were pretty smooth so I really think that the D7, especially with Laurel piloting it or being on it, this is the thing that transports her. I think this might be just a really good working prototype. Okay. This might be like the flagship, like the first one. And then once they get into production model, the appearance will refine as they improve it, which we'll see in the original series, which is still... 10 years away or nine years away. Mm -hmm. And they said many times in this episode, the months and the weeks that have passed. I mean, they say it's been months since Voke and Laurel's baby has been dropped off. It's been weeks since Colbert has moved out. So I think what's going on here is that when Laurel truly unified Kronos after Tyler's quote unquote death, I think that would explain the accelerated production time of the D7, especially if you have the unified resources of all of the Klingon houses working towards the same goal. Mm. So I really, I didn't have an issue with, with the D7. It was, it was pretty cool to see it. Like, like you said, it, it was cool that we got to see it. The turnaround seemed seemed rush for just a couple months, but like you said, maybe it was because they were all working together. Yeah, this is the new symbol of the Empire, so uh, that's cool. Speaking of Klingons, we have Kenneth Mitchell back as Tanevik. Uh, I like the look. It's, yeah, it seemed more traditional, except for for the coloring, which you know is uh, albino. Mm-hmm. This is the son of Laurel and Vote, and that that crown thing that he was wearing was pretty cool oh yeah i I really dug the costuming i i loved everything about it like the design of the character was really well done kenneth mitchell does a fabulous job as klingons i didn't know it was him so i looked it up i was like oh nice no i i I only found out like i saw the credits and i hate that cbs does this thing where hey the credits are playing i'm just gonna shove this into a corner it's like no I actually want to watch the credits. Mm-hmm. And right. when it was in the corner, I was, you know, trying to manu- maneuver my thing to full screen it again. And I had to rewind it because I'm like, wait, was that Kenneth Mitchell's name? I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> he plays another damn clan. <laughs> yeah. Someone uh, mentioned he's the new, oh, what's the, the guy that played uh, the Vorta and a slew of other. Oh, he's the new Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> but I just, uh, I actually tweeted and, and Kenneth Mitchell liked it. I was like, I just want Kenneth Mitchell to keep coming back and playing different Klingons throughout Discovery's run so that he can have some kind of record for playing the most Klingons. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who has the, the current record. Well, actually, because um, I was looking up some stuff through Trek Core and, and all that stuff, but he does join about three other people who have played three Klingons. Okay. So, obviously, Michael Dorn, mm-hmm. uh, who played Worf's father, and then I think like they made it like some alternate version of him or whatever. I think Tony Todd, because he plays yeah. a couple of different Klingons and... Yeah, so it's like it, it's cool. It's I just want him to be the most. Like uh, <laughs> Kenneth Mitchell is doing a great job. Yeah, and I wasn't even thinking that was him when I was watching the episode. That that thought didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, me either. It's a cool little Easter egg if you're looking for it. It's uh, it's cool. I'm just glad that they're giving him more work <laughs> <laughs> on Star Trek. Yeah. And finally, on my my list of likes. Control using the body of someone Michael knew to lull her into a false state of ease. Because who would have thought that Control was in control of Gant? Oh, it was uh, it was good to see Gant though, because we saw him a, a few times in in the first season. He even played the mirror version, or we saw the mirror version of him in in the mirror universe. So mm. yeah, I was like, oh oh snap. I'm really glad that they did the little flashback thing with past scenes. Right. Because he, he was, I mean, not completely memorable. Yeah, but it's yeah. good to see the actor. Right. But not anymore. <laughs> no, that was uh, an interesting demise. So that scene where it just spills out into nanoprobes. Yeah. It reminded me of like the Terminator with like the liquid. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I was like, man, someone on this writing staff really liked the Terminator <laughs> series. <laughs> it, it was a terrifying effect, though. Oh, yeah. No, it, it definitely was uh, scary. And especially, you know, Michael grunting again in like <laughs> terror that she's going to get. <laughs> get. Assimilated and reconstituted. Don't, <laughs> Don't use assimilated. <laughs> All right. Uh, controlled and reconstituted. Yeah, controlled. Yeah. As control. <laughs> uh, so do you have any other likes, Mr. Barry? Uh, I do. So one of the things I liked in this episode was that Pike is sticking to following the signals. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of going against what Burnham is saying, thinking that chasing these signals are a waste of time. Right. I think that brings back the faith versus science debate that they set up earlier in the season. Right. So I really like that discussion. I like Pike's insistence on the mission and that, Hey, maybe this is like an instruction manual and we still need to see five, six and seven to get the full picture. Mm hmm. And we only got two more episodes to do it in, so I don't know. Yeah, Rush, I hope these episodes are as long as they can make them. <laughs> I hope they are two hours each. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all that Enterprise action. Right, because, I mean, I can't fathom how they were originally planning to do this in less episodes. I know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> because that trailer for next week definitely looked like a season finale. Yeah, and you get your wish. We're going to see the Enterprise in action. Hell yeah. I can't wait. I was so excited when I saw that freaking preview. Yeah. But let me continue on uh, with my likes. I like that Boreth is pretty much kept with canon on what we saw on TNG with the planet, the climate, the architecture. When Teresa and I were watching this episode, she commented several times how much it looked like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, like no just the big architecture and yeah. like the pikes you see pike trekking up the steps to the front door and it's like it i agreed with her it kind of felt like a lord of the rings thing but i think in terms of design and cinematic scope she's right mm -hmm, right all of the boreth sets had a very epic feel to them including the exterior shots that we got. Yes. And one of the coolest things I thought when they were going to the time crystal chamber, mm -hmm. the past pillar already had a key in it. Yes. Yep. And so when Tanavik said, you know, the present can only be revealed when the future becomes the past or the future can only whatever, but <laughs> Essentially putting in another key to match the past that opens the future. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like the wordplay there. I just, I loved all of his lines. Like the present is just a veil between mad or horror and time or like whatever. And I was just like, whoa, like if you lift the veil, he's going to go crazy. Mm -hmm. I just, all of, all of his lines, the delivery the I honor you captain, like all of that. It was just a very cool character. I'm glad we kind of got resolution on, on the baby. What happened to that? But yeah, well, yeah, but also, yeah, <laughs> there's some problems there. And then like, like I said, even though we haven't seen Laurel in a while, I appreciate that she was back and it definitely gave closure to this whole kind of Klingon arc that started earlier in the season. Right. Overall, I'm not a fan of the time crystals, which we'll get into, mm -hmm. but I think that at least they're consistent in terms of the Klingons trying to harness them. Okay. Uh, it cycles back to the Klingon scientists that Leland was talking about in his story mm -hmm. and how it tied back to Michael's parents. And even Laurel says that, oh yeah, Klingons have experimented with time travel because it could be a great weapon, but it might be too great in the case of the time crystals. And I found something out. I found another Trek connection. Oh, do tell in star Trek Voyager Endgame, Admiral Janeway stole time travel technology from a Klingon named Korath. Oh. So we've had Klingon scientists before, even on enterprise, but a Klingon scientist working on time travel was also in Voyager. So it all, it's all circling back. And I love these little canon connections that the writer's room is giving to us. Yeah, someone's a real big fan of Voyager, it seems. Thank God. They, yeah. Everyone should be. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm agreeing well, with you. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, even though you dislike Voyager, tell us about your dislikes about this episode. Okay, so to echo you, I am not a fan of these time crystals, how they were represented to alter the perception and passage of time on a large scale. A large scale in a very short time. Right. 
And I didn't like how the crystals were able to project future events into someone's mind. And not only future events, but also... Like locking them in. Yeah. Into the timeline. Locking it in and also showing it theatrically. Like having the person... (laughs) Right. Like walking up to himself and having this terrible thing showing and that's another thing do the time crystals only show you bad things that are going to happen that's what it seems like if you take this crystal something's bad's going to happen to you and i'm going to show you well i feel like that's that's the price that that you have to take if you want to take one yeah but how i I don't know (laughs) how i don't know i don't know because this is my biggest complaint with it, too. It's the next magic do-all plot device. It's another do-sex machina that just, like, all right, it'll solve all of our problems, and it can do all these things, and look how awesome it is. Not only is it an infinite power source, but you can time travel, and you can do all these awesome things, and it, it's just another freaking godlike plot device just like the spore drive like oh we can tap into this infinite network and we can literally go anywhere and we can even have time travel or cross the dimensional barrier and i really think that discovery needs to get away from these kind of like big ooh, look at all this stuff that it can do type things because it's i i don't want to say it's a lazy writing but Man, you can't just have one thing be able to do so much mm-hmm. just for the sake of moving the plot along. I, I don't like that. Right. And time crystals are an actual form of matter. We've created them. Right. We tweeted out a video from PBS Space Times YouTube. Mm-hmm. It came out two years. It's a two-year-old video, just about. Go watch that if you want to learn more about time crystals. Uh, it explains it a little more. And if you really learn about them, you're like, there's no way that these things do any of this. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a name that became stuck on this certain property because it sounds cool. It sounds cool. And that's why when they were announced on the internet, people went crazy because the name sounds cool. And I think that's what Discovery is doing. They're like, ooh, Time Crystal, that's a cool thing. And... Yeah, okay, making them some kind of rare mineral, like, I get it, but if if they're only showing people the bad things and it's like a price to pay and it, like, locks in your destiny or whatever, it almost makes it like they're sentient in right. a way. Right, yes. Uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Unless it's all about time, like, time is infecting it and time is the great godlike thing we're dealing with this season and concept which we talked about last episode Mm -hmm. continuing with this i like i really liked to uh yes but i don't think it had to be that character like it didn't have to be folk and laurel's kid it could have been any klingon right and I get it, because, like, Pikes even says, like, oh, I was meant to meet him. I was meant to give this information back to you. He was meant to show me the way, kind of a thing. So, it really is making it seem like, again, with the theme of the season, like this manifest destiny kind of plot structure, Mm -hmm. in a way. Right. I don't know. It's just this whole thing with the time crystal just doesn't make any logical sense. (sighs) But let's move on from I, that. I know. <laughs> um, so I didn't like, I mentioned this already, Gant 
collapses into a countless amount of nanoprobes crawling towards Michael. It was a very cool effect. I, I'll i have to re-watch that specific part, because I just thought it they were like leaving his husk of a body type of thing. But then where did his body go? Oh, there wasn't a body afterwards? I don't think so. Oh. Little robot things crawling towards her. Yeah, don't like that. Yeah, did not like that at all. Another thing, and this isn't just with this episode, it's... This is the whole series. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do not like the Eevee suit retractable helmet. The ease in which it can be opened by just a simple press of a huge button on the chest. That seems very dangerous to me. Yeah, yeah. Because originally I was like, well, maybe it would only it could only be opened with the wearer's hand. But Michael pressed it on Gant and it retracted. So I was like, okay, nope. Anyone can just press it. Uh, <laughs> that seems maybe maybe bad. only a Starfleet officer can press it. Uh, even even so, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's like a huge dumb like. Well, I just hate the helmets in general. Yeah. Like, it's like magic fold away technology that Discovery seems to love a lot. Yeah. I want an actual helmet that you have to take off your head. Ah, Enterprise. I miss you. (laughs) Yeah, Enterprise had some cool EV suits. Yeah. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah. And they were practical. But this is my whole problem with Discovery, is that they take these shortcuts just to move the action along. Of course, they don't want a scene of someone like taking off their helmet and then being able to put it on again. And one of my big issues, there's just little things that, that kind of do this. It's like when they were warping to the control ship, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, ETA in two minutes. Well, boy, howdy. That's just enough time to have this conversation with Michael and Spock before we jump right into the action. Right. Funny how that all works out. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but like maybe do a transitional wipe or, or something like, Oh, I guess we'll get there in 15 minutes. Nope. It's just like, Oh, boom, zip, bam, boom. Here we are. Good thing that two minutes is just enough time to fit in our whole conversation. I, I don't like that. Yeah, there are a lot of jumps that they do. Even in that scene in the shuttle when they have Gant on board, it seemed like time jumped pretty quickly between getting his helmet off and stuff and his medical attention and then him coming around. It seemed like they were jumping around. It could have been the angling or, or something. It just seemed like... It went too fast. Right. Just like everything in Discovery. It's yeah. like fast, 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 action, action. We don't take enough time to, to pause. But that shuttle thing really annoyed me. When the computer's like, mm, ETA, two minutes. Cool. Conversation, conversation. Conversation. Oh, deep realization. Action to the next part of the story. Yeah, and for some reason, it bothers me that sensors don't seem to work at warp. My God, yeah. Oh, we just jumped into this huge debris pile every time. It's not just here. It's also in the Kelvin universe. Yep. Good old Alex Kurtzman. Oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe work on that. Yeah. Please stop jumping us into that. That is what deflector like dishes are for. Mm-hmm. Like sensors are an essential part of traveling at warp speed. You don't want to warp into... A sun. A, yeah. A sun, a planet... 
or a debris field that could highly damage your ship. Yeah. You know, at stuff going at super high velocity. Sure. Yeah. Space is dangerous. It's kind of making like Star Trek into Star Wars mm. kind of a thing. Right. And I don't like that so much. Like, I sure, I love the action. I love the amazing effects and all that stuff. But guess what? You don't have to animate. You don't have to use the resources to animate a retractable helmet if you had a physical prop. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. It is. It is. And that's not to say, like, I love this episode, but mm-hmm. it's these little things that I have issues with Discovery as a whole. Right. And that doesn't make me a Discovery hater. I love Discovery, mm-hmm. but I can still be critical of the things I love. And I think people need to realize that. Yeah. It is funny. As I'm watching this episode uh, with my wife, I'm like, I don't like this episode. And she was like, you're going to change your mind after you watch it again. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, I hate this episode. And then I rewatch it. I'm like, oh, okay, I like this episode. It was just when I first watch it, I stick to the thing I don't like and it festers a little bit. Right, 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 right. And then after a little bit, I'm like, all right, okay. I can appreciate the rest of the episode, regardless of this little thing that I don't like. Right, and I feel like, like I said, I'm definitely, I think when this season is over, I'm going to go and rewatch the entire Discovery series. Mm -hmm. And knowing everything that I know what's going to happen, I feel like I'm going to get like a deeper context to it all. Mm -hmm. But you're right, even I I rewatched this right before we recorded and I found and, and found some new stuff that I liked and didn't like. It's Discovery is definitely a series that you can rewatch. I mean, hell, I feel like I've watched this season eight times just because <laughs> the amount of times I I watch some of these episodes. Right. But it's like when we get more pieces of the puzzle, I think it just adds a greater context to the whole. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. Finally, on my dislikes, and this goes back to. I think last episode, uh, Saru's statement saying that Section 31 only has a little more than 30 ships. I mean, that means control statement of like 7,000 active ships. That makes it even more weird. But like we said in the previous episode, this is probably counting little shuttles and small utility craft. But that's just something that's going to bother me, I think, for the en- entirety of this series. All space is big. You need a lot of ships to cover it. That's but, true. Uh, <laughs> but no, we did see a lot of uh, shuttles in that battle fleet in the preview. Yeah, I, I think that number must include shuttles. It's just really odd because usually you wouldn't include shuttles in that kind of count. Right. Unless unless there's something like a runabout, which which were counted with their own registries. That's true. Yeah, if I guess if there were a bunch of little runabouts. Yeah. Or or something like that. Like support craft with their own registration that aren't specifically tied to a ship. Right. Almost like uh the Raven. Uh exactly. Yeah. I, I can see that. A bunch of little Raven kind of ships. Flying yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Are there any more dislikes that you have? Yeah, in addition to everything we've already talked about, my big problem is with control, and maybe I'm going to have to rewatch a couple episodes to get this straight in my mind, but 
I, I really think control is too generic of like an AI slash evil robots trying to take everything over plot. Mm-hmm. If control's original purpose was to preserve life, like Burnham said, uh, what what changed in its program? What made it seem differently? Is this still the future control trying to ensure its past self gets the data it needs to fulfill the future? Or is this still the basic control that just got guidance? Like, where did the future control go? Did that get purged with Arium? Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure all that out. It it just, it seems very muddled. I agree. So if if future control was in Arium, they've already dealt that blow. So now this is just normal control, just trying to secure that sphere data so it can become future control, I guess. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't feel that way. I feel like it's still future control. But Yeah, especially that, like, oh, I can see all time possibilities. They don't make it clear. That's my point. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's very confusing. And it, it would have been easier if control changed its name or something <laughs> right <laughs> to like to borg no. <laughs> <laughs> to the collective yeah <laughs> i i agree with your points i hope <laughs> that we have resolution to some of our dislikes me too me too this series have said has said context is for kings mm, oh oh yes indeed <laughs> so so we'll probably be the kings of context uh, once that season finale hits. Yeah, that's true. All will be revealed. So unanswered questions. Uh, we still don't know who's sending these red signals. We thought it was the Red Angel. It's not the Red Angel. I'm thinking maybe it's Zora from Discovery's future AI, but it's just so confusing. Who knows? I, I That is also my big unanswered question at this point. I think it will remain my unanswered question until we get that resolution. Mm-hmm. I have that exact same thought yeah. because it, they, they are sticking with it. Like I mentioned, you know, the Pike versus Burnham faith versus science. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get that. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it was, it was a point that was so strong on the, in the onset of this, of the season. Yeah. I, I want it to come full circle. Yeah. As do I. So how do you rate the episode? This is a strong commander in my book. Okay. Yeah, definite three pips. Pretty solid. Uh, I, I mostly enjoyed this episode rather than than the nitpick. Mm-hmm. When they were showing Pike's pass, I'm like, oh no, they're not they're not going to do that. Oh my god, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it was that was just such a like holy crap moment for me. Right. So I definite commander on this one. I have to agree with you. Almost. Gave it a little bit more, but there was just too much that I didn't like about the episode to go full captain. Right. But overall, I really enjoyed the episode, even with all of the negative things I said about the episode. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was well done. Yeah. Is it, see, the issue is the negatives stand out more than the positive. And because the show is so good. Yeah, exactly. See. Exactly. We're not haters. We're not haters. We love Discovery. I saw something today. I won't mention the website that posted it, but they Please don't. They were <laughs> knocking the design of the Enterprise bridge that we see in the preview for next week 
And I was like, really, dude? Oh, so I just unfollowed him because he... Wait, what did he say? I don't remember the exact wording, but it was like the Enterprise bridge. It's just a redress of Discovery with new consoles. I hate it. It, but it's not. No, they re- they built a whole set. This is a whole new set, and it follows the exact layout of the original series bridge. Yeah, it's just this person that posted it has been against Discovery since its onset. And it's a real oh. shame because I really liked this website, but... Oh, I... I know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, it's great resource for things, but yeah, the the insistence of and and from the beginning that oh, this isn't Star Trek. This there's no way this is the prime timeline, mm-hmm. and all, all of that. And yeah, I've seen some interactions with other fans I'm friends of, and I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna follow anymore. Yeah, like I, I, I might go to the website, but I, I I've read his reviews. It's mm-hmm. it's super critical, and and I mean, great website resource for information and pictures and stuff. But mm-hmm. but man, it it just kind of feels like that OMG, like old school Trekkie original series was best, and mm-hmm. how dare anyone you know, go against the almighty vision of Gene Ronberry kind of a thing. Right. And uh, that's a shame. I mean, you can be critical about it. We are critical about it. We are critical about it. But at the same time, we're getting new Star Trek every week for the past two years and more into the future. We've got like four other series that are in the works right now. And I'm here for all of it. As am I. And uh, it's a shame. Uh, He's missing out. Yeah, for sure. So predictions for episode 13 and beyond. What do you think is going to happen, Mr. Barry? So the trailer showed Zahia on the view screen. Yep. That is the planet that Poe is from. If you remember the Star Trek short runaway, the first one, Mm -hmm. that's her planet. And she mentioned it was heavy, heavily rich in dilithium. And she developed a dilithium recrystallization process. So I believe that using her planet's resources with the dilithium, that that will be used to power the time crystal. I think some kind of antimatter explosion uh, would have enough power to maybe activate this crystal. Mm, Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that preview very clearly showed the planet's name on there. And right. I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. And sure enough, it's from it's from the short tracks. And everything that has been happening in the short tracks has had bear some relevance on this season. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we haven't seen that ties back relevance is the Calypso short track. So well, also I'm sorry to interrupt. Harry Mudd hasn't shown up yet. Oh, that's true. Hmm. Oh, I don't care about him. He, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that Discovery is indeed abandoned and flung into the future, as seen in Calypso. Yeah. And I think because the sphere data is so tied into Discovery that the sphere data manifests itself as the AI Zora. Mm-hmm. So that is that is my prediction. And so 
I don't think we're going to have discovery anymore after this season. And I think that is the quote unquote shocking thing. So if it's flung that far into the future, then it kind of solves all the problems. There is no spore drive anymore Mm. because it was so integrated into the cross field class which we only know Discovery is the only one of those now. Right. So I think, oh, well, where does that go for season three? I think they get a new ship. Mm. And it could be the Discovery A. Yeah, 1031A. I would dig it. Yeah, that would be interesting. To continue with your thoughts here with Discovery going into the future, I think Discovery is going to be bringing the Time Crystal to Dr burnham to use in her suit oh yeah yeah that's that's what i'm thinking is going to happen with the time crystal ultimately um sure but i think i think yeah dr burnham can come back that still leaves discovery stuck in the future right yeah i don't i don't think she discovery is going to come back that that would make from a for a shocking finale when your lead ship is completely abandoned right because they were going to destroy her at the end of this episode um yep i don't well i don't think she's gonna get destroyed since she ends up into the future my one of my predictions is saru if not captain of the discovery is going to become the captain of the next ship that this crew is going to be on because they keep on hinting how he's a different kind of captain now Mm. yeah they've been hinting at him being captain a lot (laughs) yeah so i and i'm i'm cool with that i wouldn't mind saru being captain yeah i'm i'm all for it yeah so uh yeah i think that pretty much sums up our discussion on episode 12 so mr barry if we were to look for you on the internet, how would we do so? Yes, you can find me at truckieb 47 on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can also check out the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. That's my other podcast on the network uh, for Power Rangers. Awesome. And if you were to look for me, you can find me in most social media networks at Nova Charter. And uh, thank you all for listening If you get the chance and listen on iTunes, please rate and comment. Let us know how we're doing. We would extremely appreciate that. And until next time, live long and prosper. Time is the fire in which we burn. (laughs) (laughs) Lift that veil. Oh, I'm lifting it. Oh. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfxscapepod.com on Twitter and Instagram at sfxscapepod and on facebook.com slash sfxscapepod